0: hallelujah amen praise the lord stand with me all over this house as we turn to the word of the lord today 5 and 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of and the lust. Amen. Galatians 5 and 22. Turn with me today to the book of Mark, the ninth chapter. I have something on my heart today I want to preach to this body about. It's not uncommon for the Lord to confirm what he has given me to speak about. Many times the Lord has done that. You come into the church, what you've studied about, the Lord will give you a sign or someone will say something and you just feel in your spirit there's your confirmation. But it's very rarely what happened today. Today the Lord gave me two confirmations. So I'm feeling pretty good about what I'm going to say today, amen, that the the Lord has given me a message for this body today. He confirmed it once this morning before service, and then he confirmed it again during service. Amen. And I just want to tell everybody before we turn to the word of the Lord today, when you're not here, we miss you. And we're so thankful that you're here with us today, amen, in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. There is no better place you could be right now than right where you're standing, praise God. There is no better place you could be right now than right where you're standing today. I want to take my text today from the book of Mark, the ninth chapter, if you'll turn there with me. Jesus has just been transfigured before Peter and James and John on the mount of transfiguration there with the Lord they see with their eyes Moses and Elias and then all of a sudden it's only Jesus again and On the way down, the Lord turns to his disciples and he tells them, he charges them to tell no man what they have seen until he is raised from the dead. He said, I don't want you to tell anybody anything that you've seen until I have been crucified, I've been buried in a borrowed tomb, and I've raised from the dead He goes down. He continues performing miracles. Continues laying his hands on the sick and the lame. The masses continue to form. He's preaching. He's teaching to people. Large groups of people are coming. There's fame. There's fame. And the disciples witness this fame. They see the masses forming. They see the people by the droves coming to hear the Lord, to see what he's going to do, Brother Greg. There are masses and masses of people. There's fame. And it's here, I want to pick up our text today in the book of Mark, the ninth chapter. And I want to begin reading in the 33rd verse, 9 and 33 If you're there, shout out yes. Amen. The book of Mark, the ninth chapter and the 33rd verse, the word of the Lord says, And he came to Capernaum. Being in the house, the Lord asked his disciples, he said, What was it that you disputed about among yourselves by the way? The Bible says they held their peace. For, by the way, they were arguing or they were disputing among themselves on who should be the greatest. I feel the Holy Ghost already. His disciples are arguing amongst themselves on who's the greatest disciple. And the Bible says in verse 35 that the Lord sat down and he called his twelve unto him. And he said to them, If any man desire to be the first, the same shall be last of all. And he's going to be servant of all. And then the Lord gives them an illustration. He reaches over and he takes a child. And he set that child in the midst of them. And when he had taken him by his arm, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me but Him that sent me. We live in a culture today where people are fame-stricken. Come on. We're living in a culture today where people are fame-stricken. They have gotten bitten by the fame bug. They're fame-stricken. The desire to be seen The desire to be recognized, the desire to be known and heard has replaced the desire to make a difference. Being seen is more important than making a difference. People are fame stricken. I want to tell this church today, the pursuit of fame is a sinking ship. The pursuit of power, the pursuit of recognition, the pursuit of position, it's a sinking ship. It's a sinking ship. This is the culture that we're living in today. And I want to speak to this body for a few moments on this beautiful Sunday afternoon on this topic. Famous for... Question mark. Now this morning I told you the Lord works in unconventional ways. That's a very unconventional sermon title. But hopefully you'll get it here in just a few moments. Famous for question marks. I want you to lay your Bibles down in your seat. I want let's just for a moment, let's give the Lord a praise offering all over this house. Come on, if you're thankful for his presence, if you're thankful for what you felt in this house today, if you're thankful for all your blessings that God has given you in your life, can you give the Lord a hand clap offering of praise all over this house? Come on, let's just worship him and praise him for just a moment, for just a second in this house today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Bless your word today. God bless you. You may be seated today. God bless you. You may be seated today. Amen. I received a double confirmation today on what the Lord wanted me to say to this body. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for every little thing that happens. While it is the small foxes that spoils the vine, it is also the small principles that make it grow. Amen. And I'm so thankful for the small things that the Lord does for us. The small confirmations that he gives us. Amen. I appreciate everything that has happened in this service. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any of it. I wouldn't take anything for any of it. I'm so thankful for, for all that the Lord has done. I want to speak to this body today for a few moments about fame, famous for question mark. People are eaten up with the desire to be the greatest. People are eaten up with recognition. There are few positions in this world that would offer the recognition, the power The fame, there are few positions that will give you the fame that you will receive when you become the president of the United States of America. How far off the road of servanthood we have veered. I was thinking this morning about... uh, Our very first president in this country, presidents like the general, George Washington, who took his shoes off when his men didn't have shoes to wear. To where we're at today with the presidential candidates that we see. Church, how far have we veered off of the road of servanthood? People are fame and recognition stricken. It has become about money. It's become about power. It's become about fame. It's become about lucrative book deals when you leave that Oval Office. It's recorded that in the year 2020, $5.7 billion, not million, $5.7 billion was spent on presidential campaigns. Imagine what we could do with $5.7 billion but it was spent on presidential campaigns. In this world, power and influence. In this world, prestige comes with a price. It comes, they're shouting down the walls of Jericho downstairs. <laughs> the bad part is you all are quiet enough to hear it. I'm going downstairs to be with them. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord anyway. Some of y'all need to get a sense of humor. (laughs) Them kids are worshiping down there. Praise the Lord. (laughs) In this world, power and prestige, and influence comes with a price. But the truth of of it all is that most of us will never see, uh, I hope and I pray one of you do, but the truth is most of us will never see our faces carved in the granite in the side of Mount Rushmore. Most of us are never going to see that, and we would like to think that our influence, we would like to think that our legacy, we would like to think that the difference that we have made, our impact, will live on after we've left this world. I I often think about, Lord, what are my children and my great-grandchildren and my great- Great grandchildren, gonna say about me, I want to make an impact on my family, on my world, on my friends, on everybody that I know. I, I ain't worried about money and prestige and power, but I want to leave an impact on this world and I want to leave this world better than I came into it today. Hallelujah. Amen, I'm not hungry for fame and position and power, but I want the Holy Ghost to use me in these last days. Amen, I want the Holy Ghost to use me in these last days. And we all desire that our impact would last in the days to come. Our children and our great-grandchildren would speak about us. Church, the hunger for recognition and fame is nothing new. It's nothing new. This spirit has been in the world for so long, ever since man was created. Look, it goes all the way back to the text I just read you about, the disciples, Brother Bo. They're journeying around with the Lord. They're seeing miracles take place. They're watching Him preach and teach to the masses, and all of a sudden, their eyes get off of the Lord and on the fame. And now they begin to bicker amongst themselves. Who's going to be the... I'm going to be the great. No, you're not. I'm going to be... The, no, who's going to be... I'm going to be recognized. My name is... Going, I'm going to be the Lord's number one. Come on, this spirit of fame, strickenness is not something that's new to the world. This is something that the early church even had to deal with. The disciples of Jesus Christ had to deal with it. And here in our text we see that Jesus asked his disciples he said, "What was you arguing about in the way? What was what was the discussion? Of, why was it getting heated? Why were you guys bickering among one another in the way?" He asked his disciples this question, but the Bible says that they held their peace. They held their peace because they knew what they were arguing about the Lord was not going to be pleased with. They already knew if they answered him, they had a rebuke coming. So the Bible says that they held their peace about what they were arguing in the way about. They held their peace because they knew that they had gotten in their flesh and they knew that they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Imagine the embarrassment of those disciples when Jesus asked them what they were bickering about. You know, not everybody hears an audible voice from the Lord, but sometimes I wish he would do it more often and just bluntly ask us sometimes, what are you thinking? Because sometimes we need embarrassment and we need shame and we need correction in our lives to understand that we get off in our flesh and there ain't nobody under the sound of my voice that don't do it, including myself. This spirit of becoming the greatest is something that goes all the way back to the earliest of the church's existence. The Lord was creating disciples, forming a church, and already this spirit of who's going to be the best and who's going to be the greatest is already trying to sneak into the church. And the Lord recognizes it, and he asks his disciples, he says, what was that? You was bickering in the way, and they held their peace because they didn't want the Lord to know what they were bickering about Jesus not needing to know or not needing to hear rather from them what they were bickering about because he knows all <laughs> he didn't need them to tell him sir we was arguing about who's the best or who's the he, he didn't need them to tell him he already knew. He already knew, Brother Brad, what they were arguing about. He just wanted to see if they were going to be honest enough to tell him. And then they held their peace. But he didn't need to know. He didn't need to hear from them uh, what they were bickering about. And, and, and him already knowing, he quickly addresses this matter. and begins to teach his disciples about humility. And he tells them this words. he said, whosoever will be great among you, he shall be your servant. Whosoever is greatest among you, he shall be your servant. You see, being great in the kingdom of God is not like being great in the world. And having recognition in the kingdom of God is not like having recognition in the world. In the world, the greatest don't do any serving. But in the kingdom of God, he who is greatest among you needs to set the example of being the biggest servant. I come to talk to somebody about what are you going to be famous for today. Are you going to be a servant unto the Lord, a servant unto his body? Or are you going to seek for worldly fame and worldly pleasure and worldly recognition? Because being great in the kingdom of God is not like being great in the world. Come on. He that is great among you, he shall be your servant. That's what the Lord said. I, I like what John Wooden, the famous... Football coach said, he said, talent is God given, be humble. He said, fame is man given, be grateful. But he said, conceit is self given, be careful. <laughs> man, boy, well, that'll preach to somebody today. Come on, that'll preach to somebody. God didn't give you no self-centeredness. God didn't give you no self-conceit. God didn't give you a desire to be the greatest or to be the biggest or to be the most seen. God gave you a desire to serve his kingdom today. Hallelujah. Be careful. Be careful of self-conceit. It's self-given. It's something comes from your flesh. Something that seeks to destroy you, destroy the things of God in your life. See the church, the truth is that greatness doesn't travel down the road of self-promotion. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Greatness, nobody who was ever great in the kingdom of God had to promote themselves. Mm-mm. Greatness doesn't travel down that road. Greatness is not about having a sculpture or a memorial placed in your honor. Greatness is not about having your name on Mount Rushmore or a statue of you placed in the park. That's not what greatness is today, but true greatness comes when you learn to serve one another. Yeah. Come on, I know that ain't popular, but it'll get you to heaven. True greatness comes when you learn to serve one another. When I think about the greatest people that I've had in my life, one of the first people to come to my mind is my grandfather. And it's so funny because one of the confirmations that I received was when me and Brother Tommy was in the office talking this morning, having a Bible study about baptism, He brought up the very two people that I was going to mention in my sermon today. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. That is a sign from God. Huh? And he brought up about our grandfather. And you know what? Uh, The only time I ever received a whooping from him was because of Brother Tommy. But I still love you, bro. I still, I still love you. <laughs> Man, we was fighting and banged into the storm door, and he got us both. And, and he whooped us both. But when, it, when, it, when I think about the greatest people that I've had in my life, my grandfather comes to my mind. And... I couldn't tell you how many people I've had come up to me in my life and tell me and talk to me about this giant of a man and tell me that he was one of the greatest men that they ever had the privilege to know. I've had people whose own grandfathers were preachers and when they come up to me to talk, they don't even mention their own grandfather. They want to talk about my grandfather. He wasn't a rich man, wasn't a man of power, wasn't a man of prestige. In fact, he brought his family to the Lord and he found the Lord in a foxhole overseas serving this country. But when he come back, he made a commitment to God. He made a commitment to God, and he said, Lord, if you'll just give me home to my family, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. I'm never going to turn my back on you. I'm never going to walk away from you, but I'll teach my children and my grandchildren to walk uprightly before you, amen. And when I think about the greatest people in my life, I think about that man. He wasn't a rich man. Not because, listen, I don't think about him because he was famous for the things of this life, not because he had power, not because he had prestige, not because he had money and recognition, but because he had the love of God for people. And you know how many people come up to me and they say, man, every time he ever saw me, he would say, when are you going to give your life back to the Lord? When you're just going to come back to church and serve God, you know that's where you should be. You don't want to make hell your home. You, need, you want to go to heaven when you're going to come back to church. But he always did it with the love of God. And so many people were impacted because he wasn't afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. He, he had a genuine love for the people of God. He was humble. And every time he saw a sinner, a backslider, he would say those words to them, when are you going to come back and live for God? When are you going to give up? When are you going to stop running from God? He he was a true child of God. When are you just going to surrender and live for God? When I think about the greatest people in my life, I think about Mother Mills. I think about Mother Mills. I think about a woman The people say, oh, how I miss her. Oh, how I miss her phone calls. Oh, how I miss her discernment. How she knew that I had a trouble in my life, I'll never know. But somehow, some way the Lord would reveal to her, and she'd pick up the telephone and she'd call me and she'd say, I just gotta pray for you. And she'd start talking in a heavenly language, and you'd feel the power of God come right through that telephone and touch you. Touch you. Not because she had money and fame and recognition. Not because she had position and power and prestige, but because she was filled with the spirit of the living God. I was talking with Brother Thomas this morning. He was telling me, he said, one time we was all over at my grandma and grandpa's house, and he said grandma was going around hugging people, telling them all that she loved them. He said, man, when she got to me, he said, I was having such severe uh, pains in my chest. He said, I thought I was having a heart attack. And he said, when she grabbed me, he said, she felt it and she just pushed me back. And she said, I'm going to ask you something. Are you having chest pains? He said, Grandma, I'm having chest pains. And he said, man, she laid her hands on him and started talking in tongues. And let me tell you something. He said that chest pain went away from him. That's the recognition that I want. That's the fame that I want. I want to be known as a child of God who wants to live and breathe and eat and sleep the kingdom of God today. Come on, somebody, let's clap our hands unto the Lord today. If you want to be great in the eyes of God, you can keep your money, you can keep your fame. Just give me Jesus today. Just give me Jesus today. And that precious saint of God, time and time again, there are probably a dozen people sitting in this room today that received a phone call from that precious saint of God who would call you in one of your deepest, darkest moments. And begin to talk in tongues on that telephone. And pray with you and the Lord will meet your need. Church, I'm talking to you today. What are you going to be famous for? What is it that you're seeking today? What is it that you're desiring today? This spirit has battled the church since day one. The inception of the church. We can't get caught up in the things of this world. We can't get caught up. And the desire to be recognized. The desire to be heard. And the desire to be seen. It's not prestige and power. It's not these things. But it's the goodness of God. It's being faithful to God. It's living a life that's pleasing to God. It's having a love for the kingdom and the people of God. That's what you want to be known by. That's what you want to be known by today. These two people were not great in the eyes of this world, but they were great in the kingdom of God. And let me tell you something. 20-some years later, still, this morning in this church, people still talking about the life that they lived. I've never talked about people that died 20, 30 years ago in my life because they had a bunch of money in the bank. I've never talked about... People who was in my life 20, 30 years ago because they had power and prestige and influence. But the memory of a child of God, a true child of God will live on. What is it you're going to be famous for? What do you want your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to have to say about you? They ain't going to care about how big your house was. They're not going to care about how fancy your car was. They're going to care about, did you leave an impact in this world that you're living in today? They're going to care about, did you leave an impact in this world that you're living in today? They were great. They were great because they had a love for the kingdom of God. We as people have had a hard time shaking the obsession with fame. It even showed in the Lord's disciples. Jesus recognized this obsession. And you know what? He recognized that his disciples were struggling. He knew what they were bickering about. So, as a loving shepherd, he began to teach them humility. He began to teach them servanthood. If there's anything that I could ever leave a legacy in this body, I want to teach you servanthood. Because if you're gonna be great in the eyes of God, you gotta love one another. If you're gonna be great in the eyes of God, you gotta support one another. If you're gonna be great in the eyes of God, you gotta pray for one another. You gotta lean upon one another. This, by this, the Lord, they will know that we are the Lord's disciples, that you love one another. People have always had a hard time shaking the, the obsession with being recognized. Mr. Hannah was talking about it this morning. Huh? And what the Lord say? The Lord said, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at yourself. Come on. You're, you're looking at, at you want to be important. You're looking at you want to be recognized. You're looking at you look, what matters is that you're important to me. That's what the Lord said to you. What matters is you. Look, when you said you aren't important and you don't, you are important. But you're important to him. And that's what matters today. I want to be important to the Lord today. Hallelujah. You're important to the Lord today. You're important to the kingdom of God today. You're important to your great-grandchildren today. And it's, we got to leave this precious truth down to our generations that will come after us. What kind of legacy, what kind of, what are you going to be famous for? What are people going to talk about you 50 years from now? Your money ain't going to get it done. Your house and your car is not going to get it done, but if you live a life that's faithful to God, your memory, your legacy, your commitment to God will live on. The impact that you make in this world and in your family will live on. The Lord recognized his disciples were struggling with this, so he began to teach them humility. He said, this is how you receive me. This is how you become great in my kingdom. He didn't just tell them that they had to be humble, that they had to be a servant. He illustrated it with a child. He reached over and he grabbed a child and he brought him over to him. He said, whosoever shall receive one of these in my name, Uh, in my name, he didn't just tell them to be humble, he showed them with an illustration to be humble, to have a childlike faith. You see, children don't get obsessed with the things that adults get obsessed with, Uh, Brother Levi and Brother Javen can have a dispute over a basketball game outside, and five minutes later they can come in here and be loving on one another. But two of you all, one on this side and one on that side, have a dispute over a parking space outside, you're going to hold a grudge for six months. Children don't get caught up in the mess that adults get caught up in. Children are humble. Children forget and forgive. And that's what we got to become like today we got to become humble like a child. Children don't hold grudges like adults do. You know what? Children are smart enough to feel who loves them and who don't. You know, just by your embrace, just by the way you set a child on your lap, just by the demeanor that you show that child, they can feel whether you love them or not. We grow up and we become adults and we get mixed up with some goofball that don't love us at all and we ain't even smart enough to figure out they don't love us. Children have this keen sense of judgment. They can feel when people love them. They can sense it. But you know what's funny? Many times children aren't even able to return. How many of you ever had a child give you 500 bucks? The children are not the biggest tithe givers in this church. But the Lord said, You got to receive them in my name. These are the ones. You got to become like these little children. You got to learn to love like these little children. You got to love the ones that ain't going to give you something in return. It's easy to love somebody that loves you back, but you got to love somebody that can't give you nothing in return. That's the plan of God. That's the will of God. That's being great in the kingdom and in the eyes of God. Come on. We can't get caught up in this fad that if you ain't contributing anything, you ain't ain't nothing. huh? It ain't all about what people can give you or what they can do for you. If they're a child of God, you should love them. You ought to love them today. Children, don't, don't get caught up in the things that adults get caught up in. Come on, according to Jesus, he said greatness is showing kindness and the love of God to people who may never return that to you. Huh? Well, what did the uh, good Samaritan do when he seen the Jew on the side of the road beaten and left for dead? He knew there was nothing in return. Come on. He took him to the inn. He cared for his wounds. He took him to the inn. He gave the innkeeper some money and he said, whatever he needs, you do it. And if this don't cover it, when I come back, by the way, I'm gonna give you some more money. He didn't know if that Jew was ever going to return anything to him. But he did it because of the love of God. we got to have the love of God in our life. So many times, Brother Carl Carr would show love to sinners, love to backsliders. So many times, Sister Mills would call the sinner, call the backslider, call the hurting, call the broken. This is greatness in the kingdom of God. This is what's going to leave a legacy. This is what you want to be famous for. Fame is not what the world tells you it is. Greatness is not what your flesh thinks it is. Greatness is changing dirty diapers and wiping running noses in a nursery and never complaining about it. Oh, yeah. Greatness... Is pulling weeds out of the landscaping out front when the sun is beating down up on the back of your head and never complaining about it. Greatness is coming into the house of God and unstopping a toilet that nobody else wants to mess with and you never complain about it. Greatness is coming home from work tired after a hard day of work and still being early enough to church to make pre-service prayer and never complaining about it. That's what greatness is today. That's what greatness is today. Greatness is serving the kingdom of God. Yeah, go ahead, clap those hands unto the Lord today. You are important, but you need to be hungry for the attention of God and not the hungry for the attention of this world that we live in today. Greatness is serving the kingdom of God. Come on. Greatness is serving Greatness is showing up when you don't feel like it. Greatness is being faithful when you don't want to be faithful. Greatness is loving somebody when they're not worthy of your love. That's greatness today. Greatness is toughness. Greatness is resiliency. Greatness is faithfulness to God and faithfulness to your church. Greatness is having a servant's heart. That's what greatness is today. Greatness is remaining faithful. Even when you're struggling. Come on, I'm not blind. I can see when some people are struggling. If you wanna be great in the eyes of God, you gotta be able to work your way through the valley. You gotta stay strong. You gotta be resilient. You gotta be faithful to God, even when you don't feel like it, even when it don't feel good. Even when you're in the valley, stay faithful to God, even when you're struggling. I don't want to be great in this world. I want to be famous in this world. I don't want to be rich in this world. I want to be pleasing in the eyes of God. I want to leave something for my... I'm not talking about money in the bank. I'm not talking about a car or a house. I want to leave something for my great-grandchildren that's still going to make an impact in this world and in this community. We're only going to do that by being faithful to God. Greatness is becoming a servant. Greatness is being humble. Greatness is brushing off the desire for position and fame and recognition. Uh, There are great people that serve this church that do things that you don't even know anything about. It would not even be possible for you to sit in these seats if it were not for some of the greatness of the people of God who are not hungry for, for recognition and for their name to be called out and placed in lights. Greatness is being a servant in the kingdom of the living God today. (laughs) Brushing off the desire for position. In our text, the disciples wanted their resume on the top of the stack. Jesus told them quickly. He recognized it. They didn't even have to tell him. He said, that's not what this is about. This ain't about who's the greatest. This ain't about who's the most popular. This ain't about who's the best speaker, the best singer. huh? This ain't about who's the closest to who or who's in this group or who's in that group. That's not what this is about. Greatness is about being a servant to the kingdom of God. That's greatness. In our text, Jesus recognized it in his disciples. He said, it's not what it's about. And he said these words. He said, he that's greatest among you, let him be servant of all. Let him be servant of all. If you want to be great in the eyes of God, you got to become a servant. Only the low can go big. Only the lowly in spirit, only the humble can grow great in the eyes of God. He that humbleth himself before the Lord, the Lord, he will exalt them. Stand with me all over this house today as a musician's. Come quickly. Famous for what? Famous for question mark. What are you leaving behind? What do you want people to say about you 50 years from now? What kind of impact are you making? Are you, are you putting on display commitment, and servanthood, and faithfulness to God? If you are, your children are going to talk about you for years to come. Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are going to talk about you for years to come. Have you sacrificed for the Lord? Have you given up things for God? Have you made your life about the kingdom of God? If you do, your great-grandchildren will talk about you in a way. You'll be famous for living for God. But if you don't... When you die, your memory is going to die with you. This ain't about memorials. This ain't about statues. It's about what are you going to be famous for, David? What do you want people to know you by? What do you want people to think of you when your name is mentioned? Famous. Famous for what? While you had a chance, did you seek worldly fame, worldly power, worldly prestige? Or did you seek the things of God? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let me tell you something. Fame is like seawater. The more you drink it, the thirstier you're going to get. Don't think... A little bit of fame is gonna do you don't think a little bit of recognition is gonna satisfy your craving because it's not the more you get it the more you want it we got to brush it off We gotta brush off the irrelevant things that don't are not gonna have an impact in our family, impact in our lives, impact in our marriages, impact in our church. We gotta become servants of the living God. We gotta serve the body of Christ today. Let me tell you something, Jesus didn't come for fame. If he would have came for fame, he would have came riding on a white stallion instead of a donkey. If he would have came for fame, he would have overthrown Caesar instead of overthrowing sin. He wasn't about fame. He wasn't about recognition. He was about the kingdom of God. He was about the purpose of God. He was about the people of God. And when it, it, it fails in When you think about carnal things that you cannot take with you, it fails. It pales in comparison. It pales in comparison to things that are eternal, to things that will last forevermore. To think about a mansion in glory, streets of gold and gates of pearl. Come on, the things of this world They cannot compare. The legacy that you can leave for your children's great-grandchildren, you could never make enough money for them to remember you. (laughs) Man, you live for God and they'll talk about you for centuries to come. Oh, he was faithful to God. Oh, he loved the people of God. Oh, he was faithful to the church. Oh, he loved people. He was a servant like no other. I want to be famous in the kingdom of God today. Jesus didn't come for fame, he taught his disciples not to be fame stricken. He came to give us life that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He came to give us life. He came to give his life a ransom for many. He came for you. He came for me. He didn't come to overthrow Caesar. But the impact that he made when he went down and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave is still resonating in this church today. It's bouncing off of the walls. It's entering into the hearts and the minds of people. He gave his life for me. He loved me enough. He didn't come to overthrow this world. He didn't come for fame and for recognition. He came to set us free from sin. He came to save us. He came that we might have life more abundantly. Jesus was the epitome of servant leadership. Servant leadership. That's why he washed his disciples' feet. Because he wanted them to know he was was the greatest servant of them all. Because he loved them. He genuinely loved them. He genuinely loved the people of God. He didn't come for fame. Fame was never on his agenda. Position, power, palaces. They were never a part of his agenda. Casting out devils was Healing the blind eyes was Healing the leopard skin was Raising Lazarus from the dead was Forgiven the woman of the well for her adulteries was. Come on, he didn't come for fame and recognition. He come for the hurting and for the broken and for the lonely and for the distraught and for those that have anxiety and depression. The Lord came for you today. He came for you today. Healing the sick is what his agenda was. Comforting the broken, healing the brokenhearted, that's what his agenda was. Setting the captive free what his agenda was Jesus took 12 disciples 12 men all different walks of life all different walks of life some were tax collectors some were fishermen some were educated scholars in the law Some, some were theologians all walks of life he took 12 men And he created a movement. He created a church. He made a significant difference that today is over two and a half billion constituents strong. All over the world, the Bible is still the number one selling book in all history. Why? Because the leader was not fame stricken. The leader wasn't agenda hungry. The leader wouldn't come to overthrow Caesar. He came to overthrow sin. He came to set the captive free. The disciples spent their lives serving other people because Jesus spent his life serving them. If you want your children to live for God, live for God in front of them. You want your great grandchildren still carrying this precious truth. Carry it in front of them. You want your grandchildren coming to church instead of hooked on drugs and going to church in front of them. Come on. Don't get caught up in the things of this life the things that make you popular, the things that make you cool, the things that make you beautiful or studly. They don't matter. What matters is you please God. What matters is you please God. What matters is living for Him. What matters is becoming a servant in the eyes of God. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you're only going to do it through becoming a servant. The disciples spent their lives serving other people because Jesus spent His life serving them. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want people to think of when your name is brought to the table? What do you want to be famous for? The things of this life or the kingdom of God, which is going to last forever. We're going to sing this song. We're going to open these altars today. I feel the Lord is speaking to some people. I pray that you're wise enough to not brush off the drawing of the Lord. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, because the time may come when he no longer reaches for you. The time may come where he turns you over to a reprobate mind and says, I've tried enough and you've resisted me enough. What are you going to be famous for? Living for God? Are you looking for the fame and the fortune of this life today? These altars are open as we sing this song.